listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. And welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. On today's show, we have a lot of NBA content to discuss, some Knicks news to cover, so I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right into it and give you guys the news that you have been waiting for. Going into the Knicks land for this season, one of the main things that we've been talking about or discussing has been about center play. But it's crazy that one of our biggest additions in terms of adding more size to our rotation, adding somebody like Isaiah Hartenstein, was a very huge move that isn't being talked about enough. We added one of the best rim protector bigs in the game today in terms of a minute-per-minute basis in Isaiah Hartenstein. While on the floor, in terms of rim protection and the minutes played, Hartenstein had a better defensive rating at the rim than Mitchell Robinson did. Just to put this in a perspective for you guys so you understand what I'm talking about. Our best center in Mitch is still not as good as Isaiah Hartenstein is in terms of rim protection. This is just based off of stats that was taken from last year. So we know this. This is something that we can look on paper and see. Here's what you can't see. What else does Hartenstein do pretty well? He passes. He passes very well. He has a good touch. He can shoot. Not so much from the outside, although he does have a three and he can shoot the three. You know, he can shoot the mid-range pretty well. And that's kind of where I think his shots will live. That's a great spot and space to have, especially if you're a big man. Because it allows you to bully ball in the paint. It allows you to stretch the floor a little bit to allow other wings to attack. So having a center that can pass, having a center that can score, having a center that can defend and do it do it well, it's not, it's not heard of. These things are hard to find in centers. And a lot of fans have come to me recently and have asked me, Tom Thibodeau, he's so strict with his ways in terms of his 10-man rotation, in terms of if you make a mistake, you get pulled right away so you can't learn through it. So what do I say then to the Isaiah Hartenstein uh, detractors who say he's not going to get any minutes? Have you heard of Joakim Noah? He was a Tom Thibodeau favorite when Thibodeau was coaching the Bulls. Why was that? Because he was defensive-minded first and offensive-minded a little bit after. That's how he kind of developed his game when he was making those all-star appearances just because of his defense, but also his passing. 
and the way he could play inside with his guards. Isaiah Hartenstein has a lot of those abilities. He's a better shooter than Joakim Noah is. Maybe not a better defender yet. But he can pass, he can shoot, and he can defend. If you're trying to sit here and tell me that he's not going to crack the rotation, that he's going to get under 20 minutes, are you out of your friggin' mind? Mitchell Robinson, for all of the good things he does, sometimes does foul a little too frequently. Sometimes gets on the bench a little too fast. And sometimes, just depending on matchups, you might want to play a Hartenstein to see what a more elevated big, in terms of his dynamics and skill set, can do for you with certain lineups versus a Mitch-led lineup in terms of defense. It would be great to see. Making those adjustments, I feel like, is some of the best things as a Nick front office that we can do, or not even a Nick's front office, as a coaching staff that we can do to give Nick fans some variety, some differences, some changes, because that's essentially what we've asked for, what we need. Hartenstein gives you this in spades if you start him or play him a little bit more some nights than you do Mitch, depending on matchup and that's really what it's about this we are deep we're going to get into this topic but we're deep Isaiah Hartenstein adds to our center depth Jericho Sims is part of that I'm not saying Sims is going to crack the rotation a lot or get a lot of minutes but if we're talking about Mitchell Robinson we're talking about Isaiah Hartenstein those are your two top rim protectors on the Knicks you're trying to tell me those two are not going to have the bulk of minutes for the center position? What happens if Mitch gets uh, in early foul trouble or gets three fouls by the time it hits, you know, mid-third quarter? And you want to save him for that strong run in the fourth. You're going to play Hartenstein a lot in that third. He could play the entire third if, if um, Mitchell Robinson has some concerns in terms of foul trouble. So I think a lot of fans are being a little unfair to Hartenstein already thinking that he's not going to get any time, any minutes, that he's not going to be a Thibodeau favorite. He does a lot of things that Thibodeau already loves. When you think about players, teams, and position, you also have to think about the coach that plays them. Because you could be great, an amazing talent, but if the coach is not going to play you, then it doesn't matter what you can do. We have the same conversation about Reddish, basically, talking about how good he is, but what does it matter if he's not going to see any time because the coach is not going to play him? So you just things to think about. But with regards to Hartenstein, there is no chance, no chance, zero chance that this man plays less than 20 minutes a night. He has too many of the skills that Tom Thibodeau favors to not be playing heavy minutes or a lot of minutes come next season. He just does too many Tom Thibodeau good things for him not to play as many minutes as he should or wants to or is allowed to play in terms of what Tom Thibodeau will allow him to do. But I wouldn't worry if I'm a Knicks fan for Isaiah Hartenstein. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes um, under Mitch. Obviously, um, I would love to see him start a few games depending on matchups. I don't think that's going to happen. So if you're thinking that matchup dependent, Isaiah Hartenstein will start for some of these cases, you're wrong. <laughs> um, I don't think that's going to happen. And it goes back to why. 
why, oh, why will Isaiah Hartenstein not start some games? Why, oh, why will he not play more than Mitch some games? Perhaps. That has a lot to do with the coaching staff and who your main coach is. Let's go into it. Since we're here already, let's just jump into the, re the, the next topic, which is how do you use the depth with this Knicks team? Yesterday, um, I'm part of Knicks Spaces, if you guys don't understand, this Knicks community that is a very large and growing community of Knicks content creators. We often host what's called Twitter Spaces, where we discuss in depth uh, more information about the Knicks. So if you're not checking it out, you should. So we we're hosting these Twitter Spaces. And one of my co-hosts is Deej, comes to me and informs me, or not informs me, but more or less informs the space and tells the space that the season... While we talk about Cam getting minutes, Grimes getting minutes, it doesn't matter about them. What it really comes down to is Coach Thibodeau and what he's going to do, more or less. That's what D says. And I'm going to go into more about what we mean by that. But he's not wrong. To an extent, he's not wrong. Because I honestly think that this season has a lot to do with Julius Randle, but has maybe just as much, maybe more to do with coach Tom Thibodeau. The New York Knicks, as we presently speak today, in terms of their roster, we're deep, we're young. So we need to run, we need to defend, and we need to play together. Without facts, without anything else, when you look at this team, this current Knicks team as currently constructed, these are things you just see that jump out of you. And when you have depth to the extent that we do, you don't worry about minutes so much. You worry about how to win the game. And it's usually matchup dependent. So some nights, if I'm running the Knicks, Cam might be the one that's on and scoring and, you know, getting plays drawn up for him because he has the hot hand or he's doing stuff defensively or he just figured it out that night. RJ may be the next night. Randall may be the next night. Obi might be the next night. It doesn't always have to be Randall. It doesn't always have to be Obi. It doesn't always have to be RJ. We have depth. We have depth at the wing position. We have depth at the guard position. We have depth at the center position. So depth is not really an issue. We address one of our biggest issues anyways in terms of adding uh, Jalen Brunson at point guard. So we've updated one of the biggest issues that we've had to date in terms of a guard that can lead our team. Then we've made updates on the other side in terms of getting more center help, which we didn't have last year. A lot of people downplay Nerland's Noel and what he did for us during that pandemic season and how clutch his defense was when Mitch went down. Who did we have backing up Mitch when he was injured or out or whatever the case may be? Sims? Randall? Randall at the five? Listen, Randall at the five or Obi at the five? the fuck are you doing these guys are not great defenders at the five putting them at the five is playing them out of position and you're not going to maximize what they can give you at their current positions or their rightful positions Obi can't even rebound that well randall rebounds when it's convenient enough when you have that 
those type of players playing a center position, you're not going to get that many rebounds. And if you're not getting that many rebounds, you're not going to get that many second uh, chance opportunities. And if you're not going to get that many second chance opportunities because you're not getting rebounds, the other team's going to get the rebound. They're going to push it fast break. There's your points. That's the issue right now. We don't want to tire out Randall, RJ, Evan Fournier, all of these players. We don't want to tire them out by playing them heavy minutes. How do you do that then? By breaking away from the 10-man rotation. Now, listen, I get it. There are going to be 10 players that are permanent, more or less, that are almost always going to see the court and play. Okay. But you have depth, you have Cam, you have Grimes, you have Quickly, you have Toppin, you have all of these guys that can allow your players to rest, rejuvenate themselves, and play at a consistent level at all times versus the first three quarters and then burn out in the fourth. If you manage time properly with this team, you'll not only utilize depth, utilize players, you'll give your other players chances to rest and you will be able to try to compete better in a stacked East than you could than if you run down your 10-man rotation every single night for 60-something games and then we fluster out in the last 20. Because you're not going to keep pushing this roster end-to-end each and every night and expect that same roster to do the same things at the end of the season or in the playoffs, if we even get there, it's just not feasible. You're going to tire them out. Use your depth. We are young. The only way this Knicks team can compete in a wild, volatile East right now is to use the things that make sense for us. We need better scoring and shooting. We have scorers to an extent. We have, we've added shooting. We have people working on their shooting. But at the end of the day, we are young. We need to use that to our advantage. We got to run. We got to have a lot of fast, fast break points. We got to give it to the people that are running up the court. We can't walk the ball up when we see Obi or Mitch or Hartenstein or whoever, you know, all the way up court, pass it, get the easy bucket. Because it should be about what's easy and best for the team. Get your easy buckets, make your easy defensive plays double team, speak, communicate as necessary, and then move, move as a young team. That's what you have to do. Move, run, pace. And that should be controlled by your point guard in Jalen Brunson. So Tom Thibodeau and his coaching style, who he plays, how he adapts, that's going to be one of the keys of this season. Because I guarantee if he does the same thing he did last season, he plays the vets, doesn't play the youth, plays the youth very little minutes, doesn't use his depth fully, isn't dynamic enough to switch and play and experiment with different lineups depending on who they're playing. This Knicks team will be in the same position, maybe even a worse position than they were last year. You absolutely cannot do this. This year coming into camp, what was said by Ian Bagley and I trust Ian Beagle. I know a lot of people, a lot of reports coming out. You choose who you want to believe. You choose who you don't want to believe. I get it. All right? You don't have to tell me twice. I understand there's a lot of beat writers, some true, some not. So please, if you want to believe who you want to believe versus who I believe, that's fine. But I know in my life, 
as a Knicks fan, there are a couple of writers and journalists that I trust when information comes out. And one of those people is Ian Bagley. And he's earned that shit. So he may have not had every single report that he's brought out correct. But I don't look at that. I don't care if you got uh, 99% right and one wrong. I'm not going to fixate on the one that you got wrong. I'm looking at the entire body of work and then asking myself, has this come to fruition? Is true? And if you look at Bagley's work and reporting on the Knicks, you clearly can say what he reports is true. With that in mind, we're going to go now from the can Tom Thibodeau adapt and use his depth to now jumping into what happens if you use that depth this season in a stacked East. You can make some noise if things go right in a stacked East if you use your depth properly with uh, Coach Tom Thibodeau. The issue was whether we were going to see that or not. But Ian Bagley reported that coming into camp, players are getting a clean slate. That lineups that have been discussed have been RJ at the two and Cam Reddish at the three. Other lineup uh, positions have included RJ at the three and Grimes at the two. So the changes that Nick fans want to see, the things that we've been clamoring for since last season, some of those things seem to be happening. They seem to be coming to fruition. If that's the case and we're going into camp with a clean slate and we're not having issues, I'm very excited for what that means for this Knicks team. It kind of goes against a little bit of Tom Thibodeau, though, because he likes to play his bets. He likes his 10-man rotation. So when the reports came out from Ian Bagley saying that this is what they wanted to do, they wanted to have everybody have a clean state, come in, play for your spot. It all sounds amazing. It sounds great. And I hope to God it's not about the dollars and it's about your basketball IQ and how well you can play. Because if it's about those things, there's not going to be any issue at all with regards to Grimes getting minutes, I think, or Cam getting minutes, I think. And the reason I say that is because if you're playing for the position, I think Cam will play for that starting or, you know, reserve role and get minutes consistently off the bench or starting. Grimes, the same thing as well, too. I think that's what we're going to see here. And competition begets better players. Because if you know you have five good players or four good players that you're playing with and you have to fight them to get a starting position, it makes everybody work harder, everybody focus more, and it makes your game that much better because you know you have to focus and practice and work on it in order to beat out these other people in training camp to get that spot in that position. Why is nobody making a big deal about the depth and the roster and stuff like that? I mentioned this, you know, yesterday on Twitter spaces, which you guys should definitely check out. But the reason we're not focusing on Tom Thibodeau and, you know, lineup changes and dynamic changes and, you know, switching things out depending on the team you're playing is because that's not realistic. Who has coached Tom Thibodeau for the last two seasons or throughout his entire coaching tenure? He's a defensive-minded coach. 
who likes bigs, who can rim protect, not necessarily score a lot, but likes more defense at that position and to rim protect. He wants to make sure that his team plays hard defense every single night. And he wants to make sure that he has a locked permanent rotation in that he trusts and that plays well together because he believes in building chemistry with the same five or, you know, so people. Has any of that changed with regards to what he's done with the Knicks? No, it hasn't changed. So thinking it's going to change this year is crazy. I think the only thing that you could hope for as a Knicks fan, the only thing is that coach Tom Thibodeau stays true to his word, gives everybody a clean slate and allows those who earn it in training camp to get that starting spot, to get those reserve minutes, to define their role. Not about the money, not about your veteran status, not how many years you've been in the league. It's about coming to camp in shape, coming to camp right, coming to camp focused, and playing your goddamn ass off to get the spot that you want. This is basketball. This is the NBA. This is exactly how things should be. You want the starting job? Play for it. And I think that as a Knicks fan, Hearing those reports from Ian Bagley about clean slates and that's how camp is going to be in terms of getting a starting spot. You got to be happy with that. I think um, there's a little bit of give and take there with that story in the report. Um, I think that some of that is true, but at the same time, I also know you can't change Thibs. So it's going to be interesting to see what lineup we get starting night. And if that stays the same, if it changes and how his coaching style adapts as the season progresses, it's going to be uh, something amazing to watch. Let's go into some NBA news right now. We don't have that much Knicks-related stuff to cover from uh, this point, but we do have some some large, actually, uh, news-related topics going around the NBA. We'll start with uh, Chicago really quickly. So the Chicago Bulls, their starting guard, Lonzo Ball, Missing another four to six weeks for surgery. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he re-injured himself or what. Um, but the report came out recently that he's going to need another re-surgery um, in terms of uh, just, you know, getting more comfortable and he's just in more discomfort and pain still. So he can't really practice or play to the level he wants to, given that situation. It's saying that he might not even be with the Bulls for four to six weeks. So he's missing opening night. That key, that team is missing a piece in terms of their big three, if you want to call it a big three at this point. They do not have the chemistry that they would have had given if Lonzo played last year and into camp coming into the season. So they're going to lose that too. Being without Lonzo Ball is going to hurt the Bulls. There is, there's no doubt about it. When you take away your point guard, it's going to throw in some issues with your chemistry and your team. That's what's going to happen with the Bulls. When he comes back, it's going to add pain and misery to that team. It's just facts. It's just because he has to get time to adjust. He's going to have to have time to play with this squad. They're going to already have been gelled. He's going to be thrown into that 
and have to slowly come along before he can even play some with that team. And when he does, like I said, it's going to take away some of the chemistry. So one of the powerhouse teams, in my opinion, the Bulls on paper anyways, are having a lot of issues. They're not coming into the season right. And they were seen as, you know, a top six seeded team. Is that still the case without Lonzo? I think it brings them a little closer to playing now, given how stacked the East is, but we'll see. One of the teams that went to the finals last year, the Boston Celtics. God almighty, they just lost their coach. You are hearing this correctly. What did I just say? The Boston Celtics have suspended Ime Udoka, their coach that led them to the finals last year. They suspended him. They suspended him. Now, why did they suspend him? They suspended him for having a consensual relationship with a female staff worker that worked within the organization for the Celtics. I assume this goes against one of their uh, codes of conduct in terms of relationships. Probably also goes against the code of ethics in terms of if you have a engaged partner, you don't engage in consensual anything with another female. Uh, so he probably has a lot of other issues on his plate. I'm not going to get into his marital issues at this point. Just going to keep it about the NBA. Celtics are pretty fucked. So with the suspension, what does it mean for the Celtics? Bad fucking news for the Celtics. You just suspended the coach that took you to the finals. Now, I'm not saying that that Boston team won't be good with the talent that it has. I don't want to knock that Boston Celtics team before I see them play without Udoka. It's going to be uh, fun to see for at least Celtics fans anyways, what that team looks like under a different coach, if it works the same way as it did under uh, Udoka, or if it's going to run or work a little differently. I think that's what all Celtic fans want to see at this point. But don't get it twisted. You just lost your head coach. This is a big deal. You're not going to sit there and tell me that losing your head coach is not a big deal. The coach that just led you to the finals the coach that had a relationship and knew the strengths and weaknesses of these players. I don't know what his role is going to be now that he's suspended. Is he even going to have any interaction with the team? I guess probably not. If he can't even discuss, talk, or say anything to the team, if he can't mention things to the team, then they're flying without him. And if they're flying without him and it's just on Joe, I don't know where the Celtics team ends up. They still have the same talent from last season. They brought in more talent to add to their depth in Brogdon, which is good. And if he plays, that'd be a great addition and pickup. But again, I hear a lot of ifs and ands and nothing concrete. And that's what it is for the Celtics right now. Fact, they went to the finals last year. But another fact is, I don't know if they're going to go to the finals this year. The East is better. Their team is a little bit better, but they just lost their head coach. One of the main people responsible for that team working and gelling together properly. Now you're putting another head coach to coach that team. 
it could be a little disastrous in Boston. So it's going to be a very, very fun and interesting season to watch, not only from the Knicks point of view, but all across the league for the Bulls, for the Celtics, for the Nets. There's just a lot of teams right now in the NBA that are a question mark. And on paper, they look good and they, they look like they should go far. But given the current circumstances surrounding their team, who knows what could happen? Given that that's the situation, the East is wide open with opportunity. Who gets that opportunity? Who jumps in those spaces? Who makes an attempt and a run for those spots? That's what's still left to be understood. But don't get it twisted. Opportunity is now even more available in the East than it was before. So I hope the Knicks can focus, play really hard, play to their strengths, and hopefully make a surprise and shock us all. As a Knicks fan, I would love to be shocked and surprised in a proper, well way. So let's see what happens. All right, fans, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Knicks Recap. I appreciate you guys rocking with me. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Until next time, Nick fans, peace. Three, two, one, yeah. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.